0: Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Blades. We're live on Facebook and Twitter. If you're feeling shell-shocked after yesterday's news, don't worry, you're not the only one. Hopefully we can help demystify some of that confusion. Uh, we can't promise anything. Um, do leave us a comment if you are on Facebook and we'll try and get through to them as long as those comments are clean and without any swear words. Um, I'm Steve Jones. and I'm joined by our Blades correspondent, James Shield, as well as the Star Sports editor, Chris Holt. James, we're going to be leaning a lot on you in the next half an hour. Um, it was a shock to to many yesterday, that news. Was it a shock to yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, it was a shock. I think there was a feeling that perhaps Slavisa Jukanovic wasn't going to be the longest reigning manager in Sheffield United's history. Uh, and I wouldn't have been at all surprised to see him leave at the end of the season for circumstances that I'm sure we'll get into later. But... Yeah, I was uh, I was
0: surprised at the uh, at the timing of his departure. Yes, yeah, definitely. Chris, was it an awkward marriage from the start? Would that be a fair comment? Um, well, I mean, it didn't get off to the best possible it starts,
2: Really, with the amount of turn and through, and then had to go on with um, with his club in Qatar. which name escapes me. I always had to try and get James to Garafa. There yeah. you go. Um, so. so, so there was a bit of. There was a little bit at the start where he's he's obviously held on to that job for a very good reason because he was being handsomely paid for it, and uh, but he held on he held on to that as long as he possibly could before he came over, and then, um, it, yeah, in hindsight, I don't think it it didn't get off to the best start, certainly in terms of he obviously wanted to bring in players he wanted to bring in a certain type of player and he wanted to bring in particular players and never appeared to got any to get any of those and while all that was going on they had a really bad start um on the pitch so it just it just culminated in in things just getting off um on the wrong foot and if we're honest never really got any better in fact they very clearly got worse
0: from there on James big task can you try and explain the new structure in layman's terms for anyone who doesn't quite understand it myself included
1: yeah well this for me and I'm I'm not being deliberately critical about this but this for me is the big problem with this setup is the fact that nobody really even having sat there and listened to people explain it to us uh, yesterday at Bramall Lane, when Paul Heckingbottom was unveiled, and it's no, it's no criticism or slight on him. By the way, I think he's a he's a really good guy. He's a decent guy, and he's clearly a very talented uh, coach. But we've been told not to call him that because Slavisa Ikanovic was a coach, and and uh, Paul Heckingbottom has got the revolutionary new title of football manager. But anyway, enough sarcasm uh, there. It's uh, yeah, I mean. It's clearly a wide-ranging brief. He's clearly going to be responsible for setting the overall strategy of the football club. Although, again, I'm I'm slightly confused by that because we were told that the strategic vision that Sheffield United devised after Slavisa Okanovic's appointment was the reason why Paul is here in the first place. So I'm guessing when it means sort of developing that strategy, I'm guessing what they mean is actually uh, implementing it. So he'll have an input into things such as player development, although Jack Lester is the, the head of player development. He'll have a, an input into youth development. He'll have an input into scouting and and recruitment. But ultimately, you know what? You can dress this up how, however you want. And Paul Eckenbottom isn't stupid. He's an intelligent guy. And he, he touched on this himself yesterday. I think he played the game very well. But... One of the strangest things was when we were told in the statement announcing or confirming, I mean, we, we, we had already reported that Slavisi Kanovic had left. But when the official statement was brought out confirming his departure, we were told that basically, and I've got it here in front of me, that uh, I'm reading the quote here. Disappointingly, after a slow start, we have not seen an improvement in results performances and we'd prefer to be in a better league position. So clearly results were a factor behind Jukanovic's departure. I think certainly weren't the only ones. Then we were told, strangely enough, that the new strategic vision that had sort of accelerated Jukanovic's departure, that Paul Heckenbottom wouldn't be judged on results. So in that case, I must admit, I was struggling slightly to understand why Slavica Jukanovic had been got off precisely because of results uh, on the face of it. Uh, But, you know, getting back to that (laughs) that sort of long, long bit of waffle there for me, Paul Eckenbottom knows full well he's going to be judged on results. He'll judge himself on results and it doesn't matter however much sort of spin or PR sort of speak you want to wrap this appointment up in. Paul Heckingbottom will succeed or fail at Sheffield United, depending on what the first team results are out there on the football pitch. There, there is no way, and I know I'm being slightly silly here now, but there is no way Sheffield United get, you know, ever got relegated on his watch and then suddenly found themselves bottom of league two, that Paul Heckingbottom would be keeping his job because player development was coming along very nicely. It football just doesn't work like that. He knows it, the board know it. Most of all, the Sheffield United fans know
0: it as well. Chris, I mean, I don't know about you, but you're a regular at the lane. How well do you think that would go down with uh, the United fans if... Because uh, obviously the, the strategy, any football strategy, um, it's all it has to be dependent on results, surely. So could you imagine a scenario at, at the lane where the fans are kind of having to react to um, a team that's essentially losing every week, um, all in the name of uh, the bigger picture of the football strategy. It's just inconceivable, isn't it? Well,
2: it, it depends what the football strategy is because, oh, well, cer- certainly, yes, you're right, 100% right, that the fans aren't going to accept that. Um, but at board level, are they going to accept that player, player development equates to bringing in, I don't know, 10, 20 million pounds a year from from a, the brightest young talent moving on somewhere else, and, and we end up coming kind of down to that, um, the, the kind of like the model that Manchester United are at, at the minute, where actually it's not what it doesn't matter what's going on on the pitch; it's what's happening in the in the um, with the stock and the you know whatever whatever money they're bringing in and that and those. Those p- points are are more important than than actually points in the Premier League. So I, I I don't know because we actually in amongst everything that was said yesterday, we didn't actually find out what the strategy was. And and, and we tried, we we, we yeah. tried,
1: you know. I mean, countless times we were sort of you know asked the uh, the people up on the podium, and it was probably sort of slightly unfair when some of these questions were put to Paul Heckenbottom because it's not really his place to answer them. Uh, and I thought he, he he handled himself really well. But I suspect what the issue is here is the strategy heavily involves United World. And I think it was it was almost the elephant in the room because although Abdullah al was was there and he did speak about United World, he's the, the CEO of the project, You know, Sheffield United's hierarchy—they're not—they're not daft. They know that at the moment, United World, this this global network of clubs, and I think we can all understand the reasoning behind it. But they know it's not hugely popular amongst Sheffield United fans, and I think the strategy, obviously, is very much. That synergy that Yusuf Jan Siracusa, the chairman, talked about between United World—that—that that is what it is. It's about bringing players through from the from the other clubs and bringing them to Sheffield United, and possibly bringing coaches too, and seeing coaches leave Sheffield United and go into Beershot, and go into Kerala and go into Alilal United, and go into Chateau. But I think nobody really wanted to talk about that explicitly because it's not very popular. And there is obviously a great deal of concern amongst supporters at the moment. There's not a comment from me. That's an observation about the direction that Sheffield United are travelling in. And I just think I just don't think people really wanted to uh, really wanted to talk
2: about it. and and they're right not to talk about it, as you said, because nobody cares. Nobody here cares unless they're going gonna... to. I I don't know. I can't remember back whenever the the kind of. The green shoots of the of United World. I can't really remember what they said was going to happen, or whether they put a timescale on these things. Because, I mean, very clearly, you can't expect something to happen overnight. You can't all of a sudden, you know, end up with half a dozen of Belgians, bright young talent, rocking around Showercliffe. That, that it's completely understandable that that's not going to happen in the course of a year, or even two years, or possibly even five years. But what we what. If they're gonna make this such an intrinsically important aspect of Sheffield United's running, then fans are gonna to wanna to know what tangible evidence are we gonna have for this being a major part of the running of our club? Because if it does because if we don't start to see something, then in my eyes, you're wasting your time on this when You should really be spending more time making sure that we're trying to get back into the Premier League because, I, we, frankly, we don't care what's going on at shot or anywhere else.
1: Well, the, the, this this is the difficulty with projects like this. And I've said, I think you're quite right, Chris. I, I, Chris, I think the only time people are, you know, Sheffield United fans, and I can't speak for Sheffield United fans, but, I'm, you know, the, one, the ones that I know, They they will care about it, but they'll only care about it if Sheffield United are doing well. And that, you know, and that for me is where this project, like I said, I understand the thinking behind it. I understand the mechanics behind it. I think it's been complicated by Brexit, although we're not uh, going to, we're certainly not going to get into that now. But I do think it has been. I think the difficulty you've got is that when... You're talking, especially about youth development, you're talking about long-term projects here. You know, if you set an academy up, you don't just suddenly start to see it bear fruit in two or three years' time. You're talking five, six, seven, eight years before you really start to see the benefit of your investment in time and money. So there's going to be a difficulty there keeping people interested in it. Uh, in the meantime, obviously it's not, you know, th- this this project's been going on a couple of years anyway. But I also think there's a difficulty within the project and it's one that, listen, I'm sure they've got ideas how they're going to overcome it, but Beer Shop supporters are very proud of their football club and I don't think Beer Shop fans want to be in a position whereby, you know, they immediately see any player who shows any promise immediately spirited off to Bramall Lane. I think Beer Shop fans think more about their club than being a feeder club for Sheffield United. It's a, it's a very proud football club Equally, I don't think Sheffield United fans see themselves as being on a par with Beershot. So there's a there's a PR difficulty here, in terms of you know preventing people from sort of you know very openly sort of voicing their, their displeasure about this. I've said it. I do get the thinking behind it, and potentially it could be a good idea. But there's there's real there's real difficulties in the uh,
2: in the meantime. It just becomes a stick to beat them with when things aren't going well, as as, uh, the position we're in now, where where at the minute, if things continue as they are, where, you know, performances aren't great and the results aren't great, then they they just, it's just an excuse for people to say, well, if you'd spend more time looking after Sheffield United than mucking around with Belgian and French clubs, then we might be doing better. And and I'm you know saying, what I'm not, that, I'm not saying that is the case, but it, it it's a very yeah. easy it's a very easy argument for somebody to make.
1: And I think this was the difficulty that that we had at, at yesterday's press conference. You know, I mean, from from what we're told, we're not talking Chris Wilder levels of uh, of frustration or uh, <laughs> or sort of argument here. Nowhere near that. But there was obviously tensions between what Slavisi Ikanovic wanted to do and what the board wanted him to do, and the resources Slavisa Ikanovic wanted, and the resources that the board were prepared and able to uh, to give him, that's fair enough. But I think that this will be disputed by the people who uh, were there. I think my opinion is that they'd have been better off just saying it. it. would have been almost a more compelling argument and an easier argument to accept, to say, do you know what, and. In fairness, this was touched upon and then they very quickly moved on. I think they would have been much easier just saying do you know what, we expected Slavisa, even though he's a notoriously slow starter at all, pretty much all of his football clubs, we expected him to get us a much higher in the table. We're not happy with the results. And we weren't getting on particularly well behind the scenes. So what we've decided to do is we've decided to make a change. And you would have had some supporters very annoyed at that you would have probably had some supporters that would have agreed with that that's that's football you're never going to get a you know no no fan base thinks or speaks with with one mind or one voice in in football uh and i think they perhaps just talked themselves into a a few difficult situations because sometimes it's like the overall structure and it may just well have not been articulated particularly well even though we did we did try so to, uh, to sort
0: of help them on that but sometimes simplicity is just best isn't it James I'll, I just want to stick with you for a minute is there a reason that you you're aware of or that you suspect it of why this is coming in now what why now with the strategy you not know, why not in the summer you know why not a later date is any reason why that might have prompted this well
1: we we were told it was because uh, the strategy the strategic vision that was referred to countless times hadn't yet been properly devised when uh, when Slavisa was uh, was appointed. So reading between the lines, uh, that strategic vision has obviously been implemented within the past week or so, or a couple of weeks, and they've decided that Paul Heckenbottom fits that strategic vision better. I'm you know I, it's just weird, I and,
2: know and, it is.
1: We, and we we asked not numerous times that exact same question, Steve. And listen, I think things will come out in the wash, I'm sure of it. I did a piece on this yesterday, uh, that sort of I think explains some of the reasons behind Slavisa's departure perhaps a little bit better than I'm doing now. <laughs> uh, but listen, I'd I'm just sure those tensions came to a head. It, what happens, it, doesn't it? Happens at it, football it would, be
2: inter- it would be interesting to know what that final piece of the jigsaw was that that they went right. Okay, we're ready now. Let's go. Instead of, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think, the way things are, they could have quite easily gone till the end of the season and done that. Do you know what I mean? It just, it would have. Yeah. It just would have seemed less weird, and they probably could have justified it a little bit more. And gone. I think
1: that you know, I mean, there, there was there was upset on both sides as well because you know the, the the longer he stayed in post, even though he wasn't in post particularly long, the more you know you realised that Slavisa Ikanovic had suddenly sort of understood that this perhaps wasn't quite the job that he thought he was accepting in May as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose if they really want to get rid of him and he somehow manages to get them up, it becomes a little bit more difficult to, to get rid of him in the summer then.
1: You've you've got that as well. And I think, if, you know, if this was going to happen, because of the reasons that it has happened, that I say, we've gone into in that piece and the sort of the tensions and the different ideas about how they wanted the club to progress, I think it would have come to a head in January anyway. Yeah, because clearly there isn't, if, if if the situation had carried on and results had just sort of been as inconsistent and, you know, as they are and not particularly impressive, you know, you would have had a manager demanding, well, I mean, he did publicly say, I want two wingers and a holding midfielder. Well, I'm not going to criticise any board for this. If, if they know that he's not going to be there, you know, for any great length of time, then they're not going to, provide financial resources to to sign those plays to a manager who they know will probably be leaving in a couple of months' time or they'll be getting rid of in a in a couple of months' time. And then that would have brought things to a head with uh with Yukanovich. He would have wanted to have known why. He probably would have known why, you know, but he would have wanted it to have been relayed to him sort of explicitly. So I mean it clearly I think it had to happen before the January transfer window. But yeah, I think everyone was a little bit taken surprise, not by the fact Slavisa left, but by the by the timing of it. He'll, he'll go on and do a, a really good job somewhere else, perhaps, um, because he's he's clearly a, a very very gifted, very very talented manager, and he had some good ideas. And I I do think if he'd have stayed in position and you know been given the things that he wanted, I think his track record shows that maybe not this season but next season i think he would have constructed a really effective and really aesthetically pleasing football team as he did at Watford and as he did at did at Fulham but you know obviously uh,
0: the the route that he wanted to go down differs from the uh, from the route that the that the board wanted to go down chris um we know that young players are going to be an essential pillar in this new strategy who are your sort of uh, your top tips? You know, which ones do you think we can see sooner rather than later? I mean, I know there's um Illy Man and as, as one one obvious one.
2: Yeah, um there's a couple there I mean obviously Jebison's out on loan at the minute. Um and and as James reported today, um that that will be looked into as to whether or not they bring him back in January. So he's he's probably at the top of the list. There you've got Regan Slater as well, who's um uh, who's kind of been in and around the the first team picture over the past couple of years? Brought in for for kind of cup matches and things like that. There are there are two or three, probably just on the on the edge of making a breakthrough. Obviously, Reese norrington Davis started this season. Um, he he, done, he did okay. Um, he was kind of plunged into it a little bit, given that the Stevens has been injured and and some days played well and others' days was a little bit off it, which is what you're gonna get. And this is one of the things that you're gonna find where if you're putting your faith in young players, that kind of inconsistency that comes with with the inexperience of them of them playing. Um, I don't think there's anybody particularly magical ready to kind of break the door down. And I was the one. And he's obviously made the breakthrough this season, um, but you know, by all accounts, the the kind of the the lower end, the 15, 16, 17 year sixteen, seventeen-year-olds, I've got quite a quite a few talented young lads. But you never know because anything could happen in the course of the kind of two or three years where they'd be expected to start finding their way on the fringes of the first team.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right, Chris. I think there's a couple really really promising players that you can you can see down at the academy possibly coming through in about twelve, eighteen months time. But in the meantime, I I don't think you listen, it's it's a huge opportunity for Regan Slater this. There's absolutely no doubt about it, because I think he's been overlooked more than he should have been. Yeah. And the midfield's not functioning particularly well at the moment. Hasn't been it it wasn't functioning particularly well last season. It's not something that's just started to happen under Slavica Ikanovic, by the way. So there's a huge opportunity for him there. Daniel Jebinson. Jebbison Sawyer, you're not going to be surprised if he comes back, are you? But then if he's not going to play every week, is there any point in bringing him back? So that's a, a conversation that I'm sure uh, Paul
2: Eckenbotton will have with Jack Lester and Jimmy Floyd. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring him back. I yeah. don't really the finding right. it hard to deal with the of strikers that they have at the, half of the minute, let, yeah. unless, unless a couple go out and he thinks, I don't know, I could play Brewster and Jefferson up front here, for instance, then maybe that's fine. But yeah, no, you know, I, I, I I agree. And the forward lines changing every week as it is, without throwing another one into the
1: mix, and that is something that's got to change because yeah. I don't think that helps either the, the starting eleven as a whole or the all the forwards within it. I think you've got to start developing partnerships in there. Uh, but you know, yeah, I mean, Die, as Chris said had already made the breakthrough. I don't think you're not going to see huge swathes of of young players coming into the starting 11 straight away. You maybe see two, possibly three. Uh, But I just don't think it's the situation to chuck them into at the moment.
0: James, we have a first question from you from a listener. David Dukes asks, does the strategy mean we'll be waving goodbye to long-term club stalwarts in January? Uh, David looks a bit fed up, doesn't he? <laughs>
1: yeah, he does. Yeah. He's changed actually. Yeah. I've met David. Yeah, he has. Didn't look like that though. Yeah, he must have been wearing a fancy dress when I saw him. Uh I listen, there's an awful lot of that side that is out of contract at the end of the season. I know the club have said they've got options on some of them. Yeah, I think I think some will depart. Uh possibly not in January. But I think certainly at the uh, at the end of the season, you may well see one or two go in January. Uh, but I think there does need to be a, a turnaround there. I think the, the squad does need reprofiling. Uh, which ones they are, of course, that will depend on the on the bids that come in. But I'm not. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see one or two go out. No, and I think some of them will have to. I think I think the football club needs it. You can't just keep collecting players, and if you want new players to come through, you've got to make room for them you know two were uh, to do that so yeah i think they'll i think they'll possibly be uh, be one or 2 going in january
0: chris we were talking obviously even when slav was in charge about it, how it was looking like there's going to be a the start of a clear out in january do you expect much change in the short term of with united whether that's an upturn in form before that window or what you know after january if we're going to be looking at an entirely new team have you ever th- thought about any you know predictions yet um I don't think he has a huge amount
2: of room for manoeuvre really before certainly before January. I don't think I don't think there'd be I think James wrote yesterday, I can't imagine he's gonna make you know root and branch changes to the starting eleven. Um and in January he said yesterday that there'd be there likely to be more going out than there are coming in. Um so no, I, I I can't see there being being huge changes. But as James said, there by the time we get to the end of the season, there's so many players out of contract that by August next year you're going to see a very different Sheffield United team, um, and there should be. You know, we the if we're honest, you know, there's still a fair amount of this team that came right up from League One. And into the Premier League and and obviously back down again. So, there probably should have been a little bit more of a churn in in, in players than 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 there has been. Um, and I was going to say they've become over reliant, but those to be fair, those players have made themselves um, pickable. Really, you know, they their form hasn't been great in the past couple of seasons, but they they kind of earned the right to they at least fight for. Fight for the place and and fight for the the chance to to get back to the form that they showed in the past, um. But that there, that has to run its course at some point, and and at some point you have to turn around and say, "Thanks, lads. Really appreciate everything you've done for us, but uh, this is the end of the road here. See you later." Yeah, but, and, I, and and I know a lot of and and, you know we we on the outside. I, well, I know that sometimes we're, we're a little bit closer to the to what goes on in the club. Uh, as we should be, because we're there to inform other people. Uh, but whenever you're, whenever you're a fan, you kind of forget that footballers understand that this is the case. You know, there there'll be a there'll be a a sell by date, uh, and and there'll be a turnaround in players, and that's just what football. That's just what happens in football. Players come and go, and that. And that's just the way it is, and and sometimes I think I remember Chris Wilder touching on it before that about he accused us of being overly sentimental. I think it was about players not getting in the team or something like that. And he and and he told us like, you know, this is football. This is what this is what happens. Don't be thinking that there are players in the changing room crying because they're not in the team or they might be getting sold because this is they understand that the the industry they're in and the, the their profession and this is what. This is what happens. So, you know, it, when you take the sentimentality out of it, it's it's just very practical. That and, and, be- and I'll
1: tell you what, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm glad actually David brought that point up because just touching on Chris there, I'm not buying into this narrative that seems to have built up in some quarters that, you know, one of the most, if not the most successful manager in the club's recent history is somehow responsible for burdening the club with a load of, overpaid dross it's absolute patent you know the argument is absolute rubbish uh but i'll tell you the one thing Chris, chris's recruitment overall was very good but i'll tell you what the one thing he was exceptional at was knowing when to get rid of a player as well knowing exactly when to move them on. and sometimes and paul eckenbottom has touched on this in the past as well sometimes that's just as important as knowing who to bring in.
0: A few more questions before we wrap up. Uh, we'll start with Scott Grayson. Do you think Brewster will be sold in January, along with Sander Birch? No. No, I, I don't either. Well, only, only because um,
2: because of the outlay, they'll certainly got not get anywhere near what they paid for him. And... I don't think it would be much point.
1: Well, it, it, it was interesting Steve Bettis, the CEO yesterday, and I know there's been people at Sheffield United, who when Rio was struggling after that record breaking move, were desperately trying to distance themselves from the, the transfer. In fairness to Steve Bettis yesterday. He said he was asked this question about does this accent on youth mean that the money's dried up? I think it was a fair enough question to ask. He said no and you know look at what we spent on Ryan brewster and he's a very young player so i think it would be strange having made that point unless then if some head turning offer comes in which quite clearly it won't because of the way rian's performed at the moment if if, if rian is moved on as chris said they're not going to get back what they paid for him they may well never but you know i i that to me would make absolutely zero sense unless rian Suddenly starts kicking off and saying, you know, listen, I've got this offer, I'm desperate to move. And you know, he's, he's not going to do that. He's a he's a he's a good pro. Sander Burge, I think they would happily move him on, I think in January. And the difficulty being is that, and again, this is no dig at the lad. He spent that spent that long on the treatment table. And when he has played, we haven't really seen you know, anything to back up the reputation that he arrived with. And again, it's not personal, Diggs, it's just an observation. And people might disagree with that. I don't think they're going to get what they want for him. So I think, although they possibly, I think they would move him on,
0: I think that would be a difficult deal to do. Sure. One from Craig Miller, which you've already alluded to the answer to this question. What, what about the finance side of the club? They talked about some big figures in the announcement. What does this mean for new signings? I took it as if there was no money to invest. Who's who's going for? Am I
2: going first
1: on that, Chris? Or you?
2: No, you you were there. What I would just say is that I understand why Craig would make that assumption, uh, given given what's being said. But um, you would know better than me, James. And yeah, like I said, I I agree with Craig. There, looking at it at face value, it looks like the club are trying to say we're putting everything in with the kids because there's no money, but. James that you you would know better. Yeah, no, I,
1: I, listen, I think I think there is money there and I think they will spend it on the things that they want to spend it on but you know, you had Abdullah Algamanda yesterday outlining some of the figures that he said that the the club had spent. I know when you read, you know, you you look behind some of those you know, there's 50 million pound on facilities, well, you know, I'm Forty million pounds of that will have been on buying the ground, which they were legally obliged to do anyway under the terms of that High Court agreement. Uh, but nonetheless, it was it was money spent. I think money is. Sheffield United do not have as much money as say a Fulham, a Bournemouth, a club you know a, a, a West Bromwich Albion. I think it's fair to say that they're not. We're not going to see them sort of outperforming them in the uh, in the financial markets if you the financial side of the transfer market if you see what I mean so i think this is uh i think the accent on youth and you know clearly experienced players will be brought in but i think the accent on youth is a, is a reflection of the fact that they do need to cut the cloth that it's not a football club that is swimming in money i think most of the money that the uh, that the football club has benefit benefited from in recent years has come through those promotions a out of league one because you know you don't a football club of any size doesn't want to spend too long in there and then and then out of the championship into the Premier League that obviously brought a huge amount of money into the into the football club but they do have to cut their cloth and I think that I think you know United World is uh is a strategy that they hope is a Sort of a clever way of making sure that they they can compete, but you know, not just with a cheque, but, but being slightly more intelligent than other clubs. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it, I think it is a reflection that they they don't have as, as as much money as some of the other clubs that they hope to be competing with at the at the top of the table. That listen, that's fair enough. I'm not going to still wouldn't mind being a quid behind the people who are in charge of the football club, but you know, in uh, in football. You don't talk about millionaires, do you, anymore at the top of the game? You talk about billionaires.
0: It's a shame. That's the way football's gone. One final, final question. Um, it's been overlooked, this story, in the last 24 hours just because of the events. Uh, any more news on John Fleck?
1: Yeah, John, John's okay. He's at home. Uh, he won't play this weekend. Uh, not just because of the, uh, the issue that he had down at Reading, but because he's suspended. Uh, picked up his fifth booking down there. I keep wanting to call it the Majeski Stadium. It'll always be the Majeski to me, but the uh, the select car leasing stadium. I had no uh, idea. He's uh, fine and uh, expect to see him back on the uh, back on the pitch after that suspension
0: served, hopefully at, hopefully at Cardiff. Well, that brings us to a close. Uh, Sunday's game always feels secondary given the events of the last few days, but the show does go on and so does our coverage. You can stay up to date with everything on the Sheffield United... Uh, section of our website, and don't forget to like and follow the Starblades in the meantime. Thanks for listening. That was seamless. I, did, did you did you write that down? Yeah, I was reading off a script, yeah. Oh, scripted, yeah. You should have admitted
2: that out there. It was really good.